welcome back to the Angry Christian Podcast. We uh, have a couple more this week. It's not going to be just me and Sherry this time. In fact, Sherry's not even going to be here this time. But I have Michael the Wise, Jonathan the Silent, and Brad the... uh, You guys never gave me a nickname. I asked for one and you never gave me one. I go with Boastful. Brad the Boastful. What was yours, Michael? Stinky, but you didn't want to use it, so... Oh, yeah, that's true. Uh, hopefully, um, Robert the Elusive and uh, B- Brian the... Uh, I, didn't, I didn't really come up with a good one for him either. I need to come up with one uh, for both of them. Hopefully, they will be joining us here. So if you if you hear a break in our episode, it's because we're making room for our other hosts to join us. Um, now, we're all having some fun and games tonight, but we are going to be discussing a rather serious um, topic that is not just impacting us at a local level, but it is impacting everybody at a very global level. And yes, we are talking about the, uh, the word COVID-19, a.k.a. coronavirus, a.k.a. Wuhan virus. Um, However many different ways it's been labeled now, I think the official is COVID-19 is what's being used by uh, the CDC and WHO, the WHO, not the band, um, but uh, the World Health Organization. And right now, as it stands, according to the worldometers.info website, yes, you can go check that out, forward slash coronavirus forward slash, the number of active cases is at uh, where'd it go? 95,551. There have been a total of 182,603 cases so far. Um, seven, 79,881 have recovered completely and been discharged. Um, and sadly, there's been 7,171 deaths worldwide from this so far. Uh, the greatest number coming from China. Uh, the second greatest number coming from Italy. And the third is from Iran, with Spain coming in behind that, uh, then France, and then the U.S. is after France uh, with the number of deaths. But with the number of cases, uh, the top three are China, Italy, and Iran. Um, it's really, this website's interesting to watch. It updates like every 30 minutes, I think, uh, with the latest numbers. And I've been watching it for like the last week, and it's crazy. Um, because I'm pretty sure uh, it was like under or right around 100,000 like just a few days ago. Does anybody know pretty what that is? Yeah, yeah, it's it's almost doubled in just a few days. Um, it's pretty crazy. It's it's spreading quickly. If you look at the graphs, they've got they've got these little like line graphs that show you the spike. Um, yeah, it's so as of February or, or as of March fifth, March sixth. Yeah, March 7th it, or March 4th, it was 95,000. 95,000. That was only 12 days ago. It is now almost 100,000 more than that in 12 days. Just a quick update. When we recorded this episode on Monday, March the 16th, the numbers were at around 182,000 total cases worldwide, with the U.S. being number six for total number of cases. It's just been a week later, 
And as I record this on March 23rd, the numbers are at around 381,000 total cases worldwide, with the U.S. now being at number three for total number of cases, third only to Italy and China. More and more businesses have closed. We've seen a lot of people losing their jobs and schools. They've practically resigned themselves to online schooling through to the summer. The landscape of our nation looks very different even from a week ago, and it will be interesting to see how we as a nation will move forward from here. Now, back to the show. That's crazy. And actually, in eight days, it's it's almost doubled. It was 109. Um, I just... The, the sheer amount of it... I know people are, you know... Some are downplaying this whole thing. Some are, are overhyping this. The reality is it's a serious situation. Um, and I made a comment about this uh, last, late last week. And, and the reality is, is that the most impact isn't actually going to come from the virus itself. Uh, the, the greatest impact is going to come from the economic strain that this is going to create. And the reason is, is because uh, they're canceling events uh, they're shutting down restaurants. Uh, they're shutting down bars. They're shutting down businesses. Uh, they're quarantining people. And and I realize that I understand the purpose of it, right? They're trying to what they are calling flattening the curve, right? They're trying to lessen the spike so that they can spread it out. So they can also kind of cushion the hospital system a little bit and slow it down to a point where they can manage it. Totally get it. I understand. Uh, unfortunately, the side effect to that is amical. Um, because the schools will shut down. That includes public schools, uh, universities, and colleges, um, all sorts of, of uh, large organizations are sending their employees to either work from home um, or limiting the number of people that can work from the office. I mean, it's just it's it, it's really taking a toll, and we've noticed the the stock markets have dropped dramatically. Uh, I'm not saying all these things to like create hype. So anybody listening, I'm not doing this to scare people. I'm not saying these things to to generate your heartbeat and get it racing. But this is this is just the facts of what's happened over the last week. Um, you know, I for one, I was sent home today uh, by my boss to work from home for the next week at least, if not the next couple weeks. And um, you know, there's. There's a lot of that going on. I know, Jonathan, you said that you are the guinea pig at your company. Yeah, testing out some compatibility. Um, have we mentioned that today, the day we're recording, is Monday, March the 16th? Oh, yes. Today is March the 16th. And the reason that's important is um, that we're recording today on March the 16th. These are the numbers as of today. Uh, we release next Tuesday, which will be the uh, 23rd. Sorry, not 23rd, 24th. And we're going to add a little uh, a note to this episode the day before, kind of indicating where the numbers are that day. Uh, it'll be an interesting thing to see where it's at. Um, I say interesting, not exciting, just interesting, um, because it's not exciting to see something like this taking over <laughs> the world effectively. Um, today, uh, I don't know, did any of you guys get to see the Donald Trump presidential uh press conference about the latest updates oh yeah been catching them daily yeah so i know like last week the cdc was like don't gather in groups of less than or more than 250 and then it went down to 100 then on like the weekend it was like don't gather in groups of more than 50 that was yesterday sunday as of today they said don't gather in groups of more than 10 um 
And it's important to note how they do that. They actually, there's a program that, that basically runs a simulation on uh, infection and its spread yeah. among, among groups. And so they, they're gathering the information, and that's where they come up with these numbers from. Of course, they do lowball it, but still, yeah. it's, not, it's not an arbitrary number. Sure, and and because they're they're putting out these numbers of like the size, the recommended size of a group, various organizations, events, like we know, we've heard that the NBA has canceled their season. Um, we know that the NCAA has canceled the tournament. Did they cancel it or did they just restrict it? Canceled. It's canceled uh, now. Well, their idea of cancel, they may come up in uh, in a month and say, okay, well, we can do it again, but. In all likelihood, no. I mean, there's they're not practicing, they're not doing anything. They can't really just start cold. So yeah, it's a done deal, right? And I've been watching. There's um, see, there's other groups of people. So if you think about just those two organizations or those two entities themselves, you know, they're talking about um, stadiums and and universities and the people that are being impacted economically are the ones that work those events, right? They're suddenly out of work. Um, and it's not a small number of people that put these events together. Um, I've got, not. yeah. And I've got a buddy who runs sound. Here's something people don't think about. He runs sound and he runs sound for, you know, he was actually scheduled to run sound for the Merle fest, which is Merle Haggard, big country festival. He was scheduled to run the music for that, which I was planning to go to, which Michael, the wise was planning to go to. It got canceled. He lost that job. And he's losing the money off of that job. That's not the only one. He's lost. He keeps. He's been like putting on like Facebook uh, update. Uh, here's the other, the next job I've lost. You know. And so this is a guy who makes his living running sound large. And so when they're restricting it down to ten people, they're canceling events. His job. And you know, some people who are straining. I think. And uh, Jonathan, I didn't. Or Jonathan. Um, Michael, you watched it. I didn't um, get to watch it, but my boss did, and he mentioned something, and so I was trying to confirm this. He mentioned that it was mentioned during the press conference that there's they were predicting the possibility of something like a 50% unemployment. Uh, well, it was not, well, for a short period, yes. Right. Right, not not a long term. Not in other words, people aren't losing their jobs uh, permanently, but just through this eight week period or whatever it ends up being. Right. Either, but it will. I mean, if you think about it, though, it it may not be as high as fifty percent when we come out of this. But that's also assuming that it's only going to be for eight weeks. <laughs> exactly, um, and that that's the thing about flattening the curve. Uh, flattening the curve, there is no specific timeline all you're trying to do is reduce the number of infected uh in an immediate term and the whole point of that is to keep uh hospital beds available for the most sick right so if everybody gets sick at one time the hospital system is flooded then those that are weak or require greater care can't uh, there's too many of them at one time and and more people die because of it. That's what right. Italy is seeing right now. Right. Italy yeah. has not even seen the full um, the fullness of this virus yet. Sure. There are still many people that are going to get sick. Um, they're just seeing, 
a large number at one time. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and part of their issue is because uh, of all the countries in Europe, they have the one of the oldest populations. Um, so they're experiencing this because we we do know that coronavirus tends to target those with immunity or immune suspicions, um, or aging people or people with other pre-existing conditions. Right. Um, well, well. Before back backtrack that a little bit. It's not that it targets the, those; it's that those have see the greatest effect. Um, right. Well, that's what I mean. Everybody. Yeah. It it targets absolutely everybody. Right, and some of us see nothing, and others see um, terrible outcomes. Right, and the numbers that we're seeing are only of those that have actually been reported and confirmed. This number is probably greater than that, um, right. because you got people who may be just staying home. Right, and they're like, I'm not going to go to the doctor for this. There are others that probably have it because we've we've also learned that like you can actually carry it for several days and be uh, um, infectious with it, but have zero symptoms. Right. So there's that, right? So we got, that's what's, that's what's scaring people probably more so than anything else is that you may not even realize you have it and you may go through the entire process of having it without ever knowing you've had it because it didn't manifest itself in you as strongly as it would in somebody else. Yep. And that's what's scaring the ever loving crap out of people because they're like, well, I could be anybody. Right. And they don't know. And we're looking, we're looking at these numbers. I mean, just today um, in the U S like, let me just refresh the number since we've been talking two cases, two more cases, just in the time we've been talking in the U S um, today, they, it looks like they reset the numbers. Um, but uh, as of today, it was a thousand new cases today in the U S that is a lot uh, for a day. Yeah. Yeah, it's just like... Well, to back that up, the reason I say that's a lot for a day is the availability of testing kits, who is actually considered um, crucial to get tested, and the fact that many people won't even go to the doctor for this thing means that the number is much higher than that. Right. That's just a thousand confirmed through testing today. Exactly. Now I will give some props, and I want to give some props here. But uh, for example, in South Carolina, and I'm sure this is the case in several states, so I'm not just calling one out. But this is the one I know because this is the state that uh, at least two of us live in. Three of us when Robert joins. Um, but MUSC is one of our hospitals, big hospitals here in in South Carolina. They have set up just less than a mile from my office, actually a drive through testing center. Um, and they, they've also launched a, like an online screening so that you can kind of get pre-screened a little bit for this. Um, and I, I want to give them props because this is in my way, in, a, in my opinion, a, an intelligent way to um, reduce exposure and make it a more efficient process for people without overwhelming the hospital system. Um, so along those same lines, I know the, uh, the pediatricians here in North Carolina, um, my kids' doctors, not even COVID-related, but what they've done during this season is they've closed their waiting rooms. Mm. So when you get to the doctor's office, you stay in your car, somebody will check you in, 
you'll wait there until the doctor's ready for you. Interesting. That's a that's good, and because that keeps people from coughing all over each other while they're waiting. Um, which we know that this is also a very airborne type of uh, virus, which is um, not very great. Um, it's not like something that can be necessary. I mean, it probably can be transmitted, you know, through um, saliva and stuff, but it's it's something that can travel when you sneeze and cough. So. Um, what that's why they're talking social distancing thing i'm using buzzwords today maybe it'll get more attention on our podcast but this distancing thing keeping six feet apart that helps to some degree better outside than if you were in an enclosed place um you know so there's there's a lot to be concerned about and you know, the the question becomes, how is the church responding to this? And I just heard somebody join us. Who is it? Oh. It's Brian. Dramatic oh. pause, and we'll cut in the audio shortly. It's Brian. I wonder how many times I should do this. It's Brian. He needs a theme song. Oh, he's muted. He's unmuted. It's Brian. No. <laughs> we see you, Brian. I think you probably can hear us, but we don't hear you. He's probably hooking his stuff up. It's Brian. <laughs> uh, oh, I can't. I can't. I can't even. I love having fun with it. I'm going to have to write some intro music for him. Do do John uh, do John Cena's? How did you have the same one in your head that I had? <laughs> uh, and now for sponsored content. Check out the company that provides all your needs. We've censored out their name because they haven't paid the bill. Testing, testing, testing. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes, yes. You hear me now? It's yeah. Brian. I'm here. Dun, 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 <laughs> it's beautiful. You can't see me, but you can hear me now. Yes. What was happening? I don't know. This is a new mic. so Sounds pretty good. Uh, yeah, the software went through a bunch of updates, so maybe it was oh. just better to recognize it. Don't you love when the software does the update? Well, Brian, let us let us bring you up to date here on the conversation. We have just gone through it's all sixteenth. It's March the sixteenth. We have gone through all of the numbers of the co- coronavirus, um, talking about the worldwide impact, the economic impact. And we were just literally about to start talking about the church. So you came in at a good time. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Unless you actually, you know, I want you to share something. You have uh, a lot of friends in the food and beverage industry. Yeah. Um, man, I have been filled with a lot of anxiety today because that's the world that I come from. Um, I'm 
three years removed from it, so I haven't been active in that world for a while now. But a lot of my friends have been impacted by this. Yeah, one of uh, one of the people that came in actually after I left at this particular restaurant, she said that her whole household lost their work today. No, and it's like wow. Mm. Um, they just passed the ordinance here in Indiana today that all the bars and restaurants are going to be closing. So I'm like, oh man, this is the last chance I get to go see them. And I went down to the restaurant, and there was already a sign on the door that says "close until further notice." Wow. Like man, not even like a drink until next time with them or whatever. So that was a real downer. And it's like, what do you do for people at a time like this? And that's exactly what we want to talk about. Uh, <laughs> that's a that's a great segue. But the reason I wanted you to talk about that because that's you're you're living proof of you're seeing people that are legitimately impacted by yeah by this. And this isn't. They're, they don't have the virus, but they're being economically impacted by not the hysteria, but the responses that our government is trying to take to control it, you know, and, and I realize there's going to be casualties in this, not just death wise, but economically, you know, it's, it's, it's a lose, lose situation. It feels like, um, you know, it's for the president, it's like darned if you do and darned if you don't, if he, oh, does, yeah. if he doesn't do enough, people are going to chap him. If he does too much, people are going to chap him. You know, it's it's one of these. It's it's a really difficult situation, and I don't envy anybody in a position right now that has to make a decision for a company, for a government, for a school. You know, for any of that, because they're they're probably sweating blood drops right now, trying to figure out how they're going to deal with this. I imagine they are. Oh man. So I, I mean, pres- think about the NCAA canceling the tournament. The revenue from last year's tournament was $993 million. Oh, or, I'm sorry, wow. $933 million. That was just the men's tournament. That wasn't the women's tournament. That wasn't the the uh, the uh, championships for the uh, conferences. None mm. of that. Man, WrestleMania is getting moved. Yeah, and there's not going to be an audience. And it was really creepy the other day when it was on yeah, and there was no audience. <laughs> and you can see the kind of impact in an event like that. It's like people come from around the world to be a part of this event, and they can't. Yeah. Because there's a travel ban, and this, oh, yeah. the event is supposed to be within the time limit for this ban, so they, they can't do it, no matter what. Right. The airlines lose their money, the hotels, the food service people, the Uber drivers, the on, and on and on. Theme parks, theme parks yeah. yeah. I mean, it's huge. The, the army of staff there. Yeah, the it's a widespread impact, and and I realize that the people who've made these decisions didn't go into that lightly, and they didn't go into it in coming out surprised that these people were going to be impacted. <laughs> um, that's what makes it so hard, is because you're just like you know. And that's how do, why what, I wanted to give. Go ahead. That have used their influence and their power their financial privilege to make a, 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 like Mark Cuban paying for all the folks at the arena. And then the rookie from Spartanburg, South Carolina, the hometown boy, Zion Williamson (laughs) for paying for all the folks there, uh, their salaries at the uh, arena there while they're out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's big. And that's that, those are, 
commendable acts, and and hopefully we'll see yeah, more of where's that. Where's everybody else at? Step up. Right. <laughs> How many people are in the NBA that are making just as much as those guys? Um, I my my son told me that uh, that uh, uh, Bill Gates is leaving uh, the yes. board. Uh, Actually, he's on, one man. of four, he's one of fourteen hundred CEOs that are resigning this year. Exactly, dude. You didn't need to be working for the last twenty years. Come on, push a little change <laughs> out the door. He wants to go focus more on, according to news reports, his more philanthropic enterprises. This is it. Pay for all those people that are uh, yeah that have an issue right now. You want you want something philanthropic? Feed the thousands of people who are going to be without work for the next couple. Don't get me wrong. I, I know it's, there's more to it than that, but sure. But still come on. Yeah. Step up. So obviously this, you know, impact is wide and you know, one area that I haven't mentioned because this is where I wanted to focus the rest of our conversation on, but I wanted to get these things out of, you know, up front because this is what um, is, is defining this conversation for this episode. And that is how is the church responding to this? And I've seen good responses. I've seen bad responses. I've seen in-between responses. And, you know, I just wanted to kind of highlight some of those things. So, um, you know, before we do that, though, I just want to mention this because I feel like it cannot go unmentioned. Um, But the store in my town, which will remain unnamed, has toilet paper. Um, However. Um, I was in there on Saturday and I was speaking with the store manager as she was restocking the shelves and I saw a pack of like, I think it was a 12 pack of toilet paper, but it was cut open and a roll was missing. And I said, Whoa, it looks like somebody stole it. She said, Oh no, it absolutely got stolen. Um, she goes, we've been finding ripped open toilet paper packages back here, missing toilet paper rolls. Um, people are stealing toilet paper. And I just can't get over that. Like, I I get there are things that you probably want to stock up on if we're going to be stuck at home for whatever reason, which that's not happened yet, folks, by the way. Uh, I I say that now. I I don't know what it's going to be like by the time we release this episode. We could be under a full quarantine by that point. But, um, you know, toilet paper, honestly, should be your last concern. Um. There are so many paper toilet or toilet paper alternatives, uh, including your bare hand. Oh, it's, but honestly, if I had to choose between stocking up a toilet paper and stocking up on canned food, I think I would go with the canned food. Uh, that's just me. But uh, toilet paper gate, I'm moving on from. I just I I had to get it out there. It's frustrated the um, <clears throat> crap out of me um, for the last few days as I've been watching the toilet paper hysteria. So anybody out there that's doing that stop, you don't need those 12 uh, packs of 24 rolls in your, your buggy, put them back, grab one, go home. There you go. I, I'm and you done. You can't sell them and you can't sell them because if you do, you actually will go. You can get in trouble with the law for that. Except for that one couple, they made a hundred thousand dollars doing it. Yeah. Did they get in trouble for it ever? No, no, no. You you can resell. You just can't uh, uh, price gouge. Gouge. Yeah, I consider it price gouging. I'm just kidding. And actually, uh, well, technically, you can only. I think uh-uh. Amazon and eBay have completely, basically, shut down sales of those kind of products. 
Yeah, as a matter of fact, did you see the article about the two Tennessee brothers that went into Kentucky and all around and bought yes. up all of the... Yeah, they bought it all. They sold. Uh, b- were selling bottles of sanitizer for between 8 and $80 and got shut oh. down by Amazon. So they were stuck with 17,700 bottles of hand sanitizer. <laughs> I saw Sorry. today that they're donating it. Well, this is after they were... Uh, basically threatened to be tarred and feathered in the streets. So. Good. Good. Good on them for that, I guess. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I appreciate places like Aldi that puts up signs that's like, limit this many per person, and they enforce it. Um, I don't know why more stores can't do that, but, um, you know, whatever. Either way, toilet paper people, I just want you to know that uh, you're a pain in the butt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> pun... <laughs> Pun intended. <laughs> yes, Pun. It on which brand you're stealing? <laughs> That's true. I'm I'm a Charmin guy. I'm just kidding. Um, I I I get the good stuff, the soft stuff, the cloudy stuff. Um, anyway, moving on for toilet paper. It's, sure. it's funny. It's funny you said that though. I got, I got to tell this story. My my son was uh, telling my wife and I how uh, terrible the toilet paper at my mom's house is. He's like, why does she buy that sandpaper stuff? And then over at what my wife bought, and I, and I go, you bought the same stuff he's talking about right now. <laughs> She's like, that's all that was left. I said, yeah, because it's sandpaper. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just went and bought sandpaper. So um, I'm just kidding. Um, what grit? Uh, as soft as I could get it. <laughs> 120. That's what... <laughs> yeah. Super fine. Super fine. No, I've got a stack of newspaper. We're good. Um, so I'm just saying, I got I got a thousand acres of woods beside my house and a, a pile of newspapers. We are okay. I will do what we need to do. I'm doing my civic duty. <laughs> we have the secret here. So I'll use that. Oh, and we have the shack too. So I'll use that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you do what you got to do, man. Desperate times call for desperate measures. Um. Anyway, let's uh, let's transition out of the duty talk to uh, the duty of the church. And um, so I, I I've watched a lot of responses. So I'm sure that all of you guys, I know, um, Brian, you're in a a. A church situation where you guys just combine two congregations. Jonathan, you're in a pretty large um, church plant. Um, uh, Michael, you're in a pretty long, large, uh, established church. Oh yeah. Um, and I'm in two different churches: <laughs> uh, Methodist and a Baptist church. And um, all churches. I don't know. Actually, I don't know for sure. Um, I'm assuming probably just because EC has um, recommended you know, the, the size of groups that can gather. I know that my two churches are going virtual um, over the next few weeks. I'm assuming that you guys and your churches are probably doing something similar. Yeah, we're going virtual. Yep. yep. We are. Okay. Well, cool. we're not going completely virtual. Um, we're meeting in smaller groups in people's homes, but mm-hmm. their sermon is being recorded. Yeah. So it's going to be recorded and kind of disputed or disputed, distributed. Yeah. It's kind of like satellite campus kind of model. Yeah, no, that works. Actually, I think that's actually a kind of a, a great way to uh, handle that. That's good for um, people who may not be as tech savvy. And right. um, yeah, so that's great. I'm I'm glad to hear that churches are thinking outside of the box. Um, 
However, I watched so many different responses that took place as churches began probably last week announcing what they were going to do with this weekend. Our churches were open this weekend, this past weekend, but are not like the next couple weeks. Um, as churches were doing that, making the decision to close or not to close, um, I began to see, and guys, I don't know if you guys saw this, but I saw, I know you did, Michael, because you sent us one. Um, we began to see people almost kind of flaunting in a prideful way that they stayed open. Um, and because they stayed open, they didn't give in to the government tyranny and, um, and that they were more righteous and faithful than those who chose to close their doors. Um, but then I also saw other comments from people who were like, we closed our doors because we actually care about our people, you know? And I'm, and I'm looking at this and I'm like, we have a global pandemic happening right now. We have people losing their jobs, people losing their lives, and we have church people who are fighting over uh, who is more right in staying open and closing. And yeah, just, you know, fighting, fighting over the important things, like who's right. Right. It blows my mind just thinking about that this is people, I mean... And the funny thing is I posted something. I said, here's a fact. I said, fact, your church um, staying open um, doesn't mean that, uh, how did I put it? I'm trying to remember. Basically, I was like, your church staying open or closed doesn't make you more faithful or unfaithful um, just because you stayed open or because you closed. And I said that, and, and a friend of mine said, I haven't been seeing any of this kind of stuff. And no sooner did he say that than two people jumped on there. And did exactly what I was like uh, pointing out, and he was like, "Never mind." <laughs> I was like, "Guys, you just literally put into action what I was saying not to do, and this guy—you just proved this guy wrong." <laughs> uh but what ticks me off the most is just the arrogance and the pride that's behind both sides of the argument. Um. Because I look at this and I think about, you know, you know, some churches are going to choose to close for the weekend altogether. Some churches are going to choose to close for the weekend but offer virtual services. Um, some are going to stay open and some are going to stay open but offer virtual services as well. And, you know, that is their prerogative. Most churches that are doing this are doing it to the best of their abilities to make a decision that's for the best of their church in mind. Um, and so, you know, just seeing these things, I, I want I want people to to know that it's not like most of these churches. And I won't say all because some may. I, I don't want to cap it off, but I would say most, if not the majority, of churches aren't taking this decision to close or stay open lightly. It's not something they're just going willy nilly with to consider. I looked up Pew Research, right, and Pew. As like stuff, and then listed off that about fifteen to twenty percent of Christians in America are under the age of thirty, which means that the majority of individuals identifying as Christians in America are over the age of thirty, with about forty-five to fifty percent being over the age of fifty. Now, the coronavirus, what they said, you know, impacts. Uh, more violently, if you will, or more critically, those above the age of 50 
those with immune deficiencies, immune uh, immune system deficiencies, um, those uh, who are already uh, ill with something else. And so, you know, when the people when these churches are deciding whether or not to stay open or closed, they're literally, if those numbers are to be believed, we're talking about half of a church's population at least that are being considered. Right. Yeah, and yeah, absolutely, and and you know that's a a good breakdown of, uh, I mean, it's pretty close to a good breakdown of our society as a whole, and the reason for some of these decisions that are being made. You know, we're not we're not a young, um, you know. There's a big concern about the baby boomers, and uh, once they've all hit the social security system, because we've got a large older population and uh and the same decisions that are going into the government's call to um quarantine is the same kind of thing the church is having to think through Mm -hmm. yeah exactly because you think about it i mean even small churches right now are above the 10 person limit that cdc is, is recommending so even the smallest of churches fall within that you know that parameter it's crazy as i saw several people who were seeing that uh, that the cdc and the government was actually doing this as an affront to religious liberties and an attempt to take yeah. down churches the tin hatters are going crazy with this well, well uh brian say that again you broke up the ten headers are going crazy with this. <laughs> oh, uh, I, I'm not saying that governments not wanted to probably do something like this, but I, I, I don't think yeah, they're I, making this decision for that. Yeah, well, here's I a couple of things, doubt. though. Oh no, go ahead, go ahead. See, I seriously doubt that they knew somebody was going to make bat soup and get a bunch of people sick. That's a Pretty big stretch of a conspiracy theory, I think. I personally like bat soup. <laughs> well, don't call well, on a me. A couple, couple <laughs> of things to consider in this is, one, th- they're partly right in that the government, based on how Scripture lays it out for us, the governments will seek to um, persecute the church. There will be great... Uh, uh, persecution throughout the land in other words yeah there's a legitimate concern there um is this it right who knows but if it is and if it isn't um it's something that we're already told is going to be so it's not like we're we're you know now that doesn't mean we go as we we just lay down um and take it uh but it also means that we need to face the reality that it's something that we're going to have to deal with at some point. Um, also, the um, just the the whole concept of church as we know it today is yep. it even because you were talking about the the people gathering. We don't gather in groups of ten. Well, house churches do. <laughs> right. Right. No, I was just saying yeah. that small churches actually fall within that. Oh, category. I know. I, I, 
And, and what I'm saying is people people are like, well, the, they're destroying, they're seeking to destroy our church way of life. Well, that's not entirely true because our church way of life is not the norm, actually. Um, in the world. Our, our yeah. church, exactly. Our church way of life is is much easier, much more uh, uh, accessible. So if we are temporarily inconvenienced because of this and we have to meet in a different way, that doesn't mean that we stop. It just means that we need to be a little bit flexible and uh, in our concern, maybe change our outlook and our approach to what church actually is. Sure. That'd be a, a good thing to do. I even said the same thing because I, I saw some comments and I get, I get that in the context of the American church, this comment makes sense. Um, but I saw some pastors saying, you know, that, they didn't want to close their church because people might not tithe. You know, I, I, I there's, the, I do believe that that is a concern. I, I don't believe that for the majority of pastors it is the concern. No, I will. I will say this to the brotherhood and sisterhood in general, though. Please tithe to your church, even though you're not in the building. They still have to pay uh, insurance at the end of the month. They still have to pay for the standard running, all the things that you take for granted. They still yeah. have to take care of rent and everything else. That's exactly right. And 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 then on top of that, the ministries they support. So we talk about all these people that are going to be needing food and supplies. The church provides a large chunk of that, and and usually it's provided through the general uh, budget of the church, uh, a big big portion of that in most churches. So consider these things when you're like, well, I'm not at church. Please, please tithe your church. Right. And, and to not counter that, but I will put this out there as well, that if you are choosing to keep your church open specifically for that reason, that is a poor motivation. Because, oh yeah. That's, that's terrible motivation. Because if you truly believe that God is a God who cares and that he's going to provide and take care of you and take care of your church body, um, then you shouldn't be sitting around thinking about what's in the bank on that. Exactly. Um, I, I get it. As a as an American culture, we have full time pastors. Um, we have bivocational pastors that are out there. But the reality is, if that's the first thought that comes to your mind, which I know for some, and I know them personally, um, that that is the first thought that comes to their mind is always the money. That's a problem. Yeah, it's a if, big problem. <laughs> if you're willing to risk your older congregation because you don't want them to not tithe that week, um, but you're willing to put them at risk at getting something that could potentially kill them, I I just think that's a jerk move. I'm just going to be real. Just being real. Now, and in saying that, you're not saying that you, you're passing judgment on the ones that have le legitimately prayed about it and kept their church, church doors open, right? Right. 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 There's a difference there. There's a motivation. There's a fun, right. Fundamental motivational difference. It's, right. it's in the heart. Yeah. And I'm not saying I know anybody's motivation. I do know a couple just from personal experience. Um, but generally, I'm not saying that I know anybody's motivation. I'm just saying that if that is your motivation, that's a problem. Well, um, and when you talk about the thousands of churches, there's, there's likely that motivation in somebody's heart. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, and unfortunately, that is that is true. You know, I, and I hate it. Like the church, my church, churches. <laughs> I'm sure that 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 is put out there. Uh, one of my churches, they uh, they just moved into a new facility, literally like three weeks ago, two weeks ago. You know, and this hits. And I'm not saying that they were necessarily freaking out about finances, but it probably did come across their mind. Just and not not in a malicious kind of way or a greedy kind of way, but thinking we just moved into this new facility <laughs> and you know, but I, I look at that and I go, okay, yeah, you did, but you know what? There's countless people who are losing their jobs now. I will say that um, I am encouraged by that church because I know for a fact that um, they spent today talking about how they can help other churches in the area um, during this situation. That was their focus of their meeting today. Their focus wasn't just how can we help our church, but how can we equip and help other churches maintain their mission and their goal as a church. Um, especially, there, I think they were probably thinking of churches that weren't necessarily as equipped for this. That's excellent. You know, and that's that's... That's a great mindset. Yes, they were probably concerned about finances for our church, but at the same time, that wasn't the driving motivation, and they still chose to to close services. Now they're going to have virtual services, but um, they're still thinking outside of themselves, and that's important. When we start thinking inwardly for this, th- th- that, in my opinion, is where we start kind of running into some problems. And I don't mean inwardly as in like, you're not thinking about the people in your your church body, but like it's selfish reasons that you're doing what you do. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They weren't considering this at all. That's just bad leadership. So <laughs> that's a part of it. You have to make good decisions for everybody all around. Absolutely. This is why I do not envy any of the decision makers because you're making decisions for millions of families across this country, and it's happening all over the world, not just here. Nope. No, it's well, definitely that's exactly a, right. I mean, who saw this coming three weeks ago? Well, they didn't think it would be nearly as bad. They thought they were hoping to get it kind of cut off before it came. <laughs> well, people people are, are downplaying the... I mean, it did not develop in the way that they thought it would. You had mm-hmm. some clanging symbols, but you didn't have many. Right. Um, so COVID-19 stands for Coronavirus Disease 2019. So this goes back to last year. In December, I think it was. Yeah. Exactly. How many people knew about it then? Hardly anybody. No. Nope. I mean, we're we're in March now and it's it's really pretty new to us. It didn't really hit our radars until it was like January second or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, even then it was just murmurs. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's crazy how it sweeps through. So then now the question becomes, all right. Church, if we can get past ourselves and stop judging the other church based on whether they open or close, now we can we can move on to more important discussions of what does what is the church's response in all of this? Oh yes, and that is a tough one because we are to be the hands and feet, but we're not supposed to touch anybody. <laughs> Social distancing. Exactly. Yep. Social distancing is literally an antithesis to evangelism. Yeah, but can it be done? Can can 
can the church still accomplish its mission in the midst of all of this? And can we be, as you put it, hands and feet without using our hands and feet? That's uh, reminds me of the Salvation Army's motto, uh, heart to God and hand to man. Yeah, that's going to be yeah. really difficult on that last half. <laughs> heart to and away from the other guy. There's nothing no, that, that, that can replace um, authentic communi- community as sure. in us actually being in the same room and conversing and praying together and everything else. But um, God has given us some means where we can effectively minister to each other and not be near like we're doing now. We yeah. have, we're having conversations that honor God right now. Yeah. That doesn't replace community, but you know it helps. Right. Well, and I don't think it's by accident that this technology is available to us, right? I'm thinking about, like, if Paul was alive today, uh, Apostle Paul, dude, he would be tearing up this technology in a good way. He'd be like, dude, how much better could I, you know, could I be using this, you know, for for spreading the gospel and reaching people? And, you know, he'd been planting churches across the world using a podcast i guarantee it i'm just kidding can you imagine paul's beams though oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) the best okay i'm gonna read this rush dooney quote that somebody posted Ooh, rush dooney for anybody who doesn't know who rush dooney is he's like a reconstructionist guru and if you don't know what reconstruction is um go to google all right yeah, or you can uh, just get into an argument with any reconstructionist. They'll tell you all about it. <laughs> you just like learning about reform theology. Yeah, look up Joel McDermott. He, he can help you. <laughs> okay, so this quote says, The commandment, thou shalt not kill, has its positive requirement, the mandate to preserve and further life within the framework of God's law. Basic to this framework of preservation are the laws of quarantine. In Leviticus chapters 13 and 15, detailed laws of quarantine or separation are given. The details of these laws are not applicable to our times in that they have an earlier era in mind, but the principles of these laws are still valid. In terms of this, the meaning of this legislation is that contagious diseases must be treated with all necessary precautions to prevent contagion. Mm. Legislation is thus necessary wherever a society requires protection from serious and contagious diseases. The state has therefore a legislative power in dealing with plagues, epidemics, venereal diseases, and other contagious and dangerous diseases. Such such legislation is plainly required in the Mosaic Law, Numbers chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Not only is it declared to be a matter of civil legislation, but also an essential aspect of religious education. Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 8. That's Rush Dooney and the Institutes of Biblical Law, page 293. Nice. So give us your interpretation of what you just read. Just a quick summary, like kind of package that up into uh, stupid man terms for people like me. <laughs> I would say that it means that God has given... Well, he has ordained the government with the authority to quarantine. Mm. And as long as it's not um, mandated in a way that is um, 
rebellion towards God, it's something that we should honor. Gotcha. I, I would agree with that. I um I think that there are some who are um confusing that a little bit. Like they're they're assuming that by adhering to the government's pleas that we would um self quarantine or uh you know limit our gatherings that that this is an affront to God somehow. Yeah, there are some people that they think that if you don't have your your weekly meeting, um, you're in sin or you're rebelling. And well, let's let's consider church history a little bit. In the first <laughs> 300 years of the Christian church, they didn't have that option. Were they in sin? Yeah, I mean, they had to meet in secret when they could. Right. They're getting lit up like tiki torches in Nero's lawn. Right. Were they in sin for hiding? And not meeting on a consistent basis? I don't think so. Yeah. Well, and think about China, too. I mean, that's going on right now in China. Right, yeah. Today, in 2020. They're still high. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I think there's a... um, You know, I saw the quote. People that keep, you know, in line with this, they keep quoting Paul and saying, do not forsake the gathering, right? And I'm like... First of all, you're assuming that because uh, we're choosing not to hold services for the next few weeks to honor the government's request that we um, try to limit exposure, that we are somehow forsaking the gathering. It's not like we're shutting doors down forever and saying, no, we're never opening again. We're done as a church. It's, hey, you know, we got something serious going on. Government says this might be the best way to... um, uh, try to limit exposure. So let's try to do that for the sake of our people. Um, it's just, it's an extremist point of view. It's, it's in the uh, false economy. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, you know, either or. Right. You can limit your exposure and, um, you know, you can do the satellite model kind of like what we're doing. But, right. you know, we did that. But after the fact, we still met up with some people from our church. They, we hung out at our house and we all ate together and watched TV and whatnot. And we right. prayed together. Right. Nobody's stopping you from doing that. No. No. And, you know, and the government isn't even telling you that you can't go hang out with people right right they haven't even specified church they've just said gatherings and it's a very general statement suggesting that you know this is uh gatherings of of this size it, it, it strengthens the possibility of exposure so try to limit it for now and they said for eight weeks they didn't just say oh, we're going to close all churches forever you know that would be certainly a problem but that's not yeah. what they're doing. <laughs> something that would, we should go to bat for if it would come to that. Yeah. It would be a completely different story if they banned all gatherings over a certain number, but then also still made you go to school as a child. That's true. That's true. And I, I, I'll give schools some props right now, too. You know, I'm not a public school fan by any stretch of the means. I'm a homeschooled dad. I was public schooled myself, but... um the uh, a lot of the school systems are outfitting in South Carolina. They're outfitting the school buses with wireless internet and taking them into uh, areas that may be without internet, so that the kids can connect and do their schoolwork. Um, they're also using some of the buses to deliver food to the kids every day. 
um, in the homes where kids are um, like on the free meal plans. I think um, our schools here in my county have just started where they're going to be opening up different cafeterias mm-hmm. every day for any child under the age of 15 can get a free meal. Hmm. Are they going to limit the to 10 kids in the room at once? <laughs> I don't know how they're doing that part. <laughs> yeah, I'd be curious about that one. Maybe they're delivered out to the car. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm just saying that I appreciate that the school systems are trying to do this. Obviously, it's on our tax dollars. So that part, I'm uh, but, you know, at the same time, I've seen people throw in a holy terror fit about this. Like Christians, like, I ain't letting my tax dollars go to feed no kid. That's not mine. I'm just like, ooh, thank you for being so much Jesus. Appreciate that. But it's, I get annoyed with the responses I'm seeing from people. And so the other question, you know, back to the, the question at hand is what, so what should the church's response be? Not just, uh, you know, I think, um, Brian, you were pointing out that our one of our responses should be that we we do what our government authorities have asked of us, so long as it's not an affront to God on purpose, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So what else? What are what are the things that we can as a church do to, um, you know, to be able to help people who are freaking out right now? Oh wow, man! Is this is such um, a hard thing to navigate because we haven't seen anything like this in our lifetime. Right. Um, my boss said today in front of other people at work that I mean, I may have a unique perspective on this because I've been through Hurricane Katrina, but that was different. I only had me to worry about. Now I have a wife. Now I have a son that's going to come any day now. I can't yep. think about things the same way. Um, you know, it's it was a thing where it was just me that had lost their job and their place to stay. This is, this is affecting people statewide in multiple States. Yeah. Um, knee jerk reactions may make things worse. So, yeah, I think, you know, I, um, so there's a radio show, not a radio show. It's a podcast of a radio host. His name is Brant Hansen. Uh, you guys ever heard of him, Brant Hansen? The name is familiar. Um, he's used to be based out of Nashville. I think he lives in Florida now. Um, in Charleston, it used to come across as Mornings with Brant. I get still Mornings with Brant. He does a show with this lady named Sherry. Um, and they do a podcast, kind of a, a summarized version of their radio show into like a 30-minute um, episode called uh, uh the brant and sherry Oddcast, <laughs> uh, which i think is a great name um <laughs> but he made a quote in a episode from last week where he said that as christians we have an opportunity to be peacemakers in turbulent times and basically that while people are facing anxiety and fear and they're freaking out that we as the church have the opportunity to bring peace to those people. Yeah. And I thought that was a pretty, um, 
a pretty important statement because that, I mean, that really is, uh, that is a way that we can do it. And so the question becomes, well, how do we bring peace to people? How do we, how do we bring peace to somebody whose grandmother's in the hospital with this right now? How do we bring peace to somebody who's got family overseas in Italy? <laughs> you know, how do you, well, it starts amongst ourselves, amongst each other. If, if the church is bickering back and forth about how we, how we are handling uh, the gathering of believers yeah. and the world has got no interest in what we've got to say about anything else right now. So right. first and foremost, stop that nonsense. <laughs> if your if your church down the road is meeting, who cares? It's none of your business. If the church down the road is not meeting, it's none of your business. You yeah. you're still the same body of believers in Christ and Christ has specific roles for each of us um, to, to fulfill. And it's none of each other's business what's going on there. Um, now, if we're preaching bad doctrine, if we're, if we're misleading others, that's one thing. But yeah. this is not one of those instances where you can make that call one way or another. Plain and right. simple. Right. Um, so stop with that nonsense. That's first and foremost. And secondly, lead by example. Um, we, are, mm -hmm. we are poised right now to really, people are always asking for the opportunity to make an impact. Well, it's here. Use it. I had a friend of mine um, ask today, what are some creative ways that I can reach out to that we, talking about a group of believers there with her um, mm -hmm. up in the Midwest, and she said, what are some creative ways, I'm just reaching out, that we can be a blessing to the nursing home residents that are stuck and afraid mm. that aren't going to be able to see their family members or touch anybody for, for weeks on end yeah. and that need it probably more than anybody. And she got tons of great answers. And, and the thing is, she's going to act on them. And she's going to be an impact in that way. I think, I think some of them were like uh, uh, pay, putting cards on their windows and things and, and like just this things you could do outside to, to kind of brighten their day. Uh, singing outside window, you know, obviously keeping space and, and things like that, uh, not mm -hmm. breathing all over each other, but, you know, maybe one or two people go up to a window and sing or something like that. Just, just little things like that. You know, how can we be, we, we need to lift up our, especially the doctors and nurses right now. I think about all the folks around me that are involved in uh, the medical field and they, they have anxiety for a great number of reasons. Their kids are out of school right now and they're trying to figure out how to handle that situation while being on 24 seven call, uh, handling the sickness, trying not to spread it to anybody else, trying not to get it themselves. I mean, it is a major, major load on them right now. And, yeah. uh, I can't imagine that kind of, um, responsibility in this kind of circumstance. So we need to find ways, you know, take a meal or do, do things. We just need to be hands and feet. We need to be the healing voice in the world. You know, I make jokes, Bradstein, I, I make <laughs> tons of jokes about the coronavirus because I think it's funny. I, I don't freak out about stuff. I, I find humor in it because people's response to things to me is silly. Buying up all the toilet paper is silly. Buying up all the 
I don't know what the deal is with yogurt today. For whatever reason, everybody decided to buy yogurt today. I don't get it. I thought it was a one-store thing, and then I went to another store, and I was like, what is going on here? Yeah, Yogurt, it was like a run on yogurt. What? I, that Hysteria. is inexplicable to me. <laughs> yeah. I guess people people were like, well, I'm not going to use all this toilet paper, so I need to eat some yogurt to make it work. It's, but, uh, <laughs> hysteria and herd <laughs> mentality. Right. Let's be the voice of reason and calm. And uh, I, listen, I've seen some crazy stuff in this lifetime. And, uh, and I know Brian has, and we all have to some extent. It's not worth it. It's absolutely not worth it to buy into hysterics. Uh, all right. And do, some, do some logic exercises. So, for instance, take the heat map. I'm just going to use one example. Take the heat map that, that we see everywhere of the coronavirus spread. All right, first off, they show the world, okay? The world's huge. Zoom yeah. in on that heat map. Zoom in. Then you see the United States. Guess what? The United States is about 3,000 miles across. Zoom in on that. When you start to zoom in on these heat map locations, you start to get a much better picture of what this really means. Uh, if you look at it as, a, as the big giant mess that it is, you 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 overwhelmed. You don't you don't get a real picture of things when you zoom in, and you see things uh, on a more community-based aspect. Mm. And that's what we are called to is to build up the world around us that's directly around us. Yeah, you start to see that it's not an end of the world scenario. It's a pain in the butt. It sucks, and it's going to suck for a while. And there's going to be some real loss and we need to grieve with those that lose but at the same time we need to be a strong voice of calm to the rest of those around us don't forget to grieve and don't forget to be a voice of calm right and we need to be anchored in truth to do that um, absolutely when i'm thinking about things like this i go to romans eight twenty eight. And it says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So no matter how bad things get, God's in control. He's demonstrated that over and over and over again. And that's a huge point. You know, my youngest and I were talking today about some good things that could come out of this. And there are. There are some good things that could come out of this. Um. The loss of loved ones is never a good thing, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. We pray that they know the Lord and that they get to live with him in, in paradise. But, uh, you know, we talked about him being out of school. And I said, this is going to give a lot of people an opportunity to see what homeschool is like. A lot of people that were afraid of it before, that were afraid to take that chance and, and were considering it for their family. Well, now they get that opportunity. They get a little test run. Yeah. So there, there's a there's an upside there, you know. Um, the upside that we may realize as a society that some of these things we've been depending on for so long, we don't need so much. Um, mm -hmm. That 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 this this consumer culture that that drives us, maybe we're you know, maybe people will start to realize it's not all it's cracked up to be. Yeah. And families might have an opportunity to grow closer together. So there yeah. there are positives in all of this yeah i think something churches also need to stop doing i was just thinking about this i uh, 
I saw several people making comments that this is God's judgment on our nation. And, you know, is it? Maybe. Would you rule that out? I, I don't know if I would rule it out, but I don't know that I would make that as a declaration either. Um, unless you're Jonah and God has specifically sent you to the U.S. to say this is your judgment. Um, you know, it's all... You know, that's the thing. There, there's gift of prophecy, and um, I haven't heard a legit... And let me say legit, and that's, <laughs> that's legit based on the biblical uh, understanding of a prophet. I haven't seen legit uh, prophecy to that regard. Um, mm -hmm. Now, again, like you, I'm not willing to say it's not. At the same time, I'll be perfectly honest. I think God's judgment on this nation, this is minor. <laughs> hmm. uh, I, I think that... Um... This is revealing how fragile the things are that we find our comfort in, especially in the, in this country. You know, we have so many comforts, and it, it feels like our military is invincible and our economy is invincible. We're just we don't have the struggles of a lot of countries around the world. Right. Amen. But that's not solid ground to stand on. Look no. at that. In a matter of a few days, we don't know what's going on anymore. Yeah. You know, when you look at eschatology. So when when we've been studying uh, Revelation in church through this past three or four weeks, and I've been I've had the great opportunity to discuss with my youngest the the, the Revelation and how it unfolds, and in talking to him, he he's made the comments which are legitimate comments. I don't see how dot dot dot. Well, looking at the response to this thing that is not super terrible uh it, it is enlightening to what the world is going to face during the end times i i just at, when i first thought about eschatological uh how the how society would respond to things i was like nah nah it's surely somebody's got to have more sense than that this has proven that that's not the case <laughs> <laughs> People it's proven the, how the Antichrist, yeah, people are looking for a, a solid answer to their their concerns and their questions. It, it's made it perfectly obvious to me how the Antichrist is going to be able to so easily take control in those times. Free toilet paper. <laughs> Just get this mark on your head and we'll give you a free it. toilet paper. You're good to go. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it's going to take. He's the TP man. It's the next horror movie, by the way. The TP, which yeah, is a live of, documentary on what happened the past week. Yeah, instead of the can, <laughs> instead of the Candy Man or the Sandman, it's the TP man. If you oh, see a roll, I'm really gonna need you to stop buying all the toilet paper. Yeah. If you see the toilet paper sitting on your front porch, run. Hey, listen, I we we joke and it. It makes no sense. It really doesn't. But I watched a woman in Australia on, on a video. Uh, a, a woman grabbed a... This, this cart was full of toilet paper. She grabbed a pack out of the cart. She shouldn't have done that. The daughter of the woman that was pushing the cart proceeds to pound this woman. The, oh, other, the woman fights back. The daughter starts screaming. Uh, the woman... Uh, trying to make her case. She's like, well, you attack me first, blah, 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 blah. 
Anyway, things kind of settle down, and the woman goes, all I want is one pack of toilet paper. That's what she said, and she reaches, and the old woman hugs the toilet paper, hugs her body over it, starts crying, and says, no, no, you can't have one. You can't have one. Just in, in this fear and this, this, it was frightening. The, the, the emotion she showed over hugging packs of toilet paper. Oh, yeah. And, and that, that is what we're dealing with. People's, yeah, well, people's mm-hmm. uh, uh, investment in the temporal, investment in the things of this world, if, if, if their world is shaken, and it's shown that the things in this world are not as solid as they are. They lose all mental capacity on reality. And, and we have to be that voice that says, look, this isn't it. This isn't it. You, you know, this sucks, but this isn't it. We, we've got a promise of a much greater future or a much worse future, uh, yeah. depending on, on you, you know, whether or not you're going to turn your life over to the Lord. This is a small, 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 small thing compared to the possible future for someone that doesn't know Christ. Yeah, you know, I'm seeing some good things coming out of this. So, you know, we, you know, we could probably go on toilet paper all day. I know I could. But yeah, sorry. But I, I've seen some good things coming out of this. You know, I've seen several people posting online. Hey, I know uh, for for you working parents whose kids are now out of school, hit me up. I'll I'll be happy to watch your kids. Like they're not charging. They're just saying drop them off at my house. Um, you know, because there are people that are still having to go to work even though all of their kids are out of school. Um, of course, you got people like me. We we homeschool, so it's like yeah, it's just another day of school. But uh, uh, there are parents who that's not their day, and it's it's been encouraging to see people stepping up and saying, "Hey, I'll watch your kid." Um, I've seen other people saying, "Hey, uh, let me know if you're um, elderly and you're not wanting to leave your home, and I'll be happy to bring some supplies by, whether it's toilet paper or food or anything like that." Um, yeah, I think these are these are signs of good things that the church can do. These are people on their own doing these things, but um, you know, it's 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 things like that that church um, can shine in in these moments instead of sh- instead of shining in our typical fashion of bashing one another. We can be like, how can we take care of one another? Um, you know, I sent out a message to a group of friends of Sherry's and I's that we've had. Um, for years out of our last church and just let them know, hey guys, you know, I just wanted to encourage them that, you know, I know that there's a lot of uncertainty, but you know what? We're right here. Let's stay connected. Let's make sure that, um, you know, everybody's taken care of, you know, trying to kind of corral that. And every, and people have groups like, Brian, I saw you doing that too earlier today. Um, on your own social media, um, saying that, you know, you wanted to, to help people. Um, you know, so that's, that's encouraging. These are, these are actions. These are things, these are putting our faith to, to action. 
you know, in very tangible ways. We're meeting people's needs. And like you said, Michael, in the midst of that, we can say, you know, I'm doing this because, you know what, my God takes care of me. He wants to take care of you. Um, you know, God's love. We're introducing them to a better way than a roll of toilet paper. Um, you know, your your idol of toilet paper is going to fail you if you, but I know somebody, uh, my God, who won't fail you. Um, Amen. You know, so those are, those are things that we can do. And, and in addition to that, I think we need to start, um, you know, praying for and reaching out to supporting and encouraging our church bodies within the community. Like, not just the ones that we're connected to, but to people that we know are in other churches and just say, hey, you know, I'm not sure what your church is doing, but just know that we're praying for you and your body, your church body. And, you know, if there's anything that we can do to help you guys, let us know. You know, we can do things like that. We can pray for one another. We can be a resource. Like if there are churches out there that have food closets, you know, now's not the time to st- uh, to shut the doors on that. Right? Exactly, yeah. This is not the time to go, oh, we better shut the doors because we don't want to, you know, because people are going to bombard this place. Yeah, they are, probably, <laughs> you know, but uh, that's what it was for to begin with, was to help people. Um, you know, so I think those are other tangible ways that we can put our faith to action. And I think we can get even more creative than that, you know. Um, technology connects us in ways that that we haven't had the ability to in decades past and we need to use that to our advantage um, and, and just use it to, as a, a force for good and a force for, um, you know, for bringing peace to people in, in turbulent times. And, but uh, wow. I just looked at the clock. Um, I hope none of you are falling asleep on me over here. It's now uh, Tuesday, March the seventeenth, for all y'all at home. It is, <laughs> and I looked at the numbers on the coronavirus, and in our conversations, or during our conversations, uh, the numbers have gone up almost a hundred cases since we've been talking. So, uh, that's just just an indication how this thing's growing. But anyway, I, before we close out, I want to share a scripture um, that I think can be an encouragement to us as believers and kind of a directive, if you will. <laughs> this is a command from Paul to the church of Philippi, chapter 2 of Philippians, verses 3 and 4. And it says that, Don't be selfish. Let me say that again. Be selfish. <laughs> don't be shellfish. Uh, he says, don't I be don't selfish. Eat shellfish? Is that what you said? Yeah, no. Yes. <laughs> Shelf, don't, don't be a shrimp or a. Yeah. Uh, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your interests, but take an interest in others as, as well. Um, and I think that's really what it. What, this is what needs to happen right now. We can't, this is not the time to be selfish and hoard for ourselves. You know, if you've got 50 stacks of toilet paper in your house and you're a Christian, consider helping some others out. Um, don't, don't take to Facebook trying to impress others with your amazing 
much either. Like this isn't a time to try and make yourself look good and impress others with your good deeds. Um, be humble. Think about others as being better than yourselves. And you know what? I've got a wife and four kids, but I, and I need to look out for their interests, but I need to think about the interests of others as well. That's what's going on with these churches and the pastors that are making the decisions that they're making because they're trying to take other people's interests into consideration, not your own. And, you know, so don't get at your church if your pastor or an email comes out or a call comes that says, hey, we're not, we're not meeting this week. They're not doing that because they're trying to, um, uh, cave in to the government they're doing it because they're thinking of your interests and they're thinking of the interests of the people other people in your church um that that could potentially uh, be at high risk for this so uh stop being selfish put the toilet paper back seriously um anyway any final thoughts final thoughts yeah love (laughs) Love your neighbors. Uh, do what you can. Uh, as a matter of fact, speaking of neighbors, good time if uh, if you are not at risk um, in this situation and you uh, you want, you know, I'm not gonna browbeat anybody. I don't. I, I'm gonna run it by my wife. But yeah, I mean, open your home to uh, to uh, church service. Uh, watch watch your uh, stream service and. Invite some folks from the neighborhood in, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, have church in your house. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like it are, more than you think. There are people that are afraid and people that are freaking out. We need to show them our hope. And to some extent, we need to have our doors open so people can see that. Absolutely. Yep. Jonathan, do you have any words of wisdom? Well, I'm thinking through, uh, you talked about your church and how they can help other churches. Yeah. And I was thinking of a a way that some of our larger churches or younger churches who have a higher focus on technology. um, If you're a member of a smaller church that might not have that technology available, possibly reach out to these other churches and say, hey, can you help us maybe possibly start doing our live broadcast during this time? Coming like borrow your equipment on an off day, coming to your uh, church and record, maybe. Yeah, actually, I know, awesome. I know some churches that have even put that out there that hey, our 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 system is available for your use if you want to come in and and use it to do that. I've seen that actually put out by churches. Kudos to them. Yeah, and I know people are like well, virtual isn't church. Um, I just want you to understand that we're not talking about doing this for permanence. Oh, definitely uh, not. This is this is a temporary um, measure in an in an extreme time. So we're not saying this needs to replace your church. We're just saying this is something that you can do to help navigate a very tricky situation. So have a little grace. <laughs> Absolutely, Brian. Any thoughts finally for you? Well, I think we covered it all. You know, we just have to uh, be willing to minister the gospel to people in any way that we can. I mean, these are um, some very trying times. We're facing things that are very unusual for our for our country. 
we are being shaken out of our comfort zones. You know, those the cushions aren't working anymore because there's uncertainty there. But we can be certain in the hope of Christ and what he's done for us. Amen. Let's preach that to each other. Let's preach that to the watching world. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Faux show. All right. Well, um, uh, I don't really have anything else to add except that, you know, we're we here at the Angry Christian Podcast are certainly um in prayer for this whole situation for your church, for everybody outside of your church, for our nation, for our states, um, for the countries around the world that are impacted by them. So uh, while we may have fun, we're not in this lightly. This is a serious situation. We understand the gravity of it. And we wanted to talk about it because it's important and it's impacting us in just a way that probably nobody ever dreamed was going to be where we were sitting today. Um, so we love you all. Go get some toilet paper, but only a pack. And don't be angry. What was that? I want to say that again. Just say that last part again. Did it break up? Yeah. Oh. Oh, stupid technology. Just start with, but only a pack. Oh. Go out and get some toilet paper, but only a pack. And more importantly, don't beat up old people for toilet paper. And don't be angry. I want to say a huge thank you to Jonathan Hamlet, Robert Platt, Michael Ledford, and Brian Baldwin for taking the journey with me and helping me host the Angry Christian Podcast. Another big thanks goes out to Simon Panrucker for his song, Angry Dance, and to Scott Holmes for his song, Clear Progress, that we use at the beginning and the end of the show. All other music is produced by the Angry Christian crew. And finally, the show wouldn't be possible without you, our listeners. Thank you for taking the journey with us. (music) 